0: Good morning, church. Here we are again. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 66. We're going to start verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to move on down to 13 through 20. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come crippling to you. All the earth's worship, you and sing praises to you. They sing praises to your name." On to verse 13. I will come into your house with burnt offerings. I will perform my vows to you, that which my lips uttered, and my mouth promised when I was in trouble. I will offer to you burnt offerings of fattened animals with the smoke of the sacrifice of rams. I will make an offering of bulls and goats. Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will tell you that he has done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he has not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Laurel. If you are a guest with us this morning, or just feel like one, because you're back, um, I want to remind you that we are. Uh, I want to welcome you and uh, invite you to walk through the Psalms with us for the, the rest of the summer, however much longer. We are studying through the Psalms and uh, love the Psalms, and we return to them each summer. It's become our kind of our annual rhythm, and we are in Psalm 66 today, and as you've seen, Psalm 66 is, is a, has a good length to it. We are going to look at the last stanza, so I, I just really wanna invite you to dial in on the last stanza, verses 16 through 20 with me. And what I wanna to talk to you about today is your story. Your, your own personal story. Everyone has a story. Uh, everyone's story matters. The reason everybody's story matters is maybe not the same reasons you'd get from the world. Um, The reason your story matters is because every single person, each of us, every single one of you is an image bearer who was made by God and for his glory. And he wants more than anything else for you to um, find your place in his redemptive story. And so every single person in this room has a really important part of this story and I want to just ask you to think this morning about your story like if we sat down with you and said hey what's the story like tell me about your life tell me your story for many of us who are here today our stories took a radical turn when God stepped in and we met Christ and we met Jesus, and Jesus cha- radically changed us. And he didn't just change the direction of our lives. I mean, he did that, but he, but he also started to work a really profound interior change. And so we are learning, those of us who, who are following, trying to follow Jesus and have yielded our lives to him, we're, we're learning to exchange worry for peace. And self-sovereignty for God's sovereignty. Gossip for charitable judgments. Complaining for blessing. And you just go on and on and on, the things God is doing inside of us. So so in verse 16, when the psalmist says, come, anyone who will listen, come and hear. Anybody who has respect for God, come and hear. And I'm going to tell you, look at this, what he has done for my soul, what he's done inside of me. This soul language is common in the Psalms, and it's a way of describing the whole person, not just the outward person, not just the body, but the interior man. The part of us we can't see, but we know is even more real than flesh and blood. Look at this. I want to tell you what he has done for my soul. I want to tell you what he's done for me on the inside. And what God has done for me in so many other ways. So what you have in verses 16 through 20 is what we could call a personal testimony. A first person account of what God has done for me and in me. And I want to take this angle on the psalm because I think so many of you want to tell others about Christ. You you want to tell others about Jesus. You want to tell others about what God has done for you. But you're not sure where to start and you're like I'm not sure I know exactly how to do this or that I would have the courage to do it or what I would say and so what I'd like to do is just invite you kind of two parts to what's happening this morning I want to invite you into his story I want you to see how the psalmist tells his story then I want to encourage you and help you in how to tell yours let's think um, about his three elements I'm going to just break his story down into three parts. He tells us, first, I prayed. Second, I repented. Third, God answered. I prayed, voicing my need. I repented, turning from my cherished sin. And God answered with his steadfast, amazing love and grace. Let's walk through those. um, And you'll see in verse 17 the first one I prayed I prayed voicing my need verse 17 I cried to him with my mouth I cried out to him most English translations render it this way I cried to him with my mouth I cried out to God and and high praise was on my tongue this is this is a way of saying I prayed God help me I I I cried out with my own mouth in a humble, uh, a sort of humbling myself, not sort of, a very clear sense of humility has overtaken this person. He has nowhere else to turn. So he cries out to God. It is humbling to ask for help, right? It's humbling to ask for help. We feel that at different stages in our lives. It's even more humbling to ask God for help it's supposed to be. That's what prayer is. Prayer is the way we voice our need for God. Prayer is the way you come to grips with who you really are as a creature. Prayer is how we experience deep gospel change. Apart from prayer, you're not going forward at all in the Christian life. And what I mean, the Christian life can't start without, and you know this, if, if, if there was a day when you cried out for Jesus to show you mercy, and you trusted him for the first time, this is what happened. I prayed, voicing my need. One way to think about it is that prayer is, is fully disclosing yourself before the Lord as, as vulnerable and helpless. I can't do this. I'm helpless, and I stand before you fully open, God. There's this great illustration in, in Flannery O'Connor's personal prayer journal. Many of you know the, the famous uh, southern author who, who wrote provocative and often um, challenging stories. Flattery O'Connor, when she was a college student in Iowa, she kept a prayer journal, and she wrote this in her prayer journal. Listen to this. Dear God, I cannot love thee the way I want to. You are the slim crescent of a moon that I see, and myself is the earth's shadow that keeps blocking you. I'm afraid what I'm afraid of, dear God, is that my self-shadow will grow so large that it blocks the whole beautiful moon. And that I will judge myself by this shadow that is nothing. I'm afraid that I don't know you, God, because I'm in the way. That is a great way to think of, that is a great way to think of prayer, to think of, of getting out of the way. Of full self disclosure before God, of being willing to cry out, God, I can't even see with objectivity how truly selfish I am and self centered I am and how much in need I am. And so, when you tell your story, when you tell your personal story, make sure you voice your need. Like, make sure people leave that moment or that conversation and they know you were in need and you prayed, you recognized your need for God, you voiced it, you owned it, you didn't explain away your need for God, you settled in there. You're like, I, man, I need God's help. That's the first element that we see the psalmist drawing attention to. We can call it point number one in our personal story. Number two, he says, I repented. So not only did I voice my need, that's where it starts, but I, I repented, turning away from cherished sin. Look at verse 18. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. I, I take that to mean that he once cherished his rebellion. That that, that I once took delight in my rebellion, I once took delight in the forbidden, but I have since discovered the joy of repentance, I have discovered that treasuring God is much better than treasuring sin and self and evil. Yeah, something's happened to him, he's writing out of a history of repentance, He's writing out of having discovered the joy and delight of no longer cherishing and treasuring his sin but treasuring God more. That's the testimony. There are two things I think worth observing here. Number one, sin is driven by the heart. Number two, God is better than any idol could ever be. Number one, sin is driven by the heart. Uh, Don't be confused by sin. It's not just a a logical thing, like why is he still doing that? Why is she still doing that? We know the answer, because we're driven by our hearts, not because we're driven by simple rationality. We, We love, we love this. And as Calvin said so vividly, our hearts are just like idol factories that are pumping out idols just producing one idol after another. Our hearts are like massive industries that have conveyor belts that are just pumping out idols and once we get bored with an old idol, we'll toss that one off, we retool and put out a shinier new idol and we look and we attach our hearts to that shiny new idol and, and, and think it's gonna make us happy and, we, and it never makes us happy and our, and our hearts just keep producing like factories. One thing to love after another and they never satisfy us. We love to love things and we love to love the wrong things and I think that is part of what, not part, I think that's at the heart of what's behind verse 18. I once cherished my iniquity but it keeps coming up empty. So what I'm discovering and the psalmist is saying I'm inviting you into, come in here, anybody who's interested, come in here. I, I once cherished but God is so much better to cherish God treasure him he's so much better than any idol could ever be idolatry is when good things become ultimate things when romantic love becomes possessive love when money becomes enslaving When power and a success and achievement become addictions. When emotional dependence, physical beauty, the approval of others, when those good things get out of control and become ultimate things, they are really bad for you. Repentance is about discovering that none none of these things make good gods. None of them. And the psalmist is saying, here's what I've discovered. I've, res- I've discovered that God is worth turning away from those other things, treasuring God above all things, including the good things. Is what I, uh, that's what I want, I, I want my life to be about. That's what I want you to know about me, he says. When you tell people your story, include this. Tell them how you tried to find happiness elsewhere, but God alone was more satisfying. And you don't have to spend a lot of time on the gory details of your sin, right? The, the psalmist doesn't do that. He doesn't spend a lot of time on the gory details of his sin. You don't, you don't want to make Satan the hero. You should mention loneliness and guilt and resentment and anger We should mention those things but don't get stuck there and don't color in all the gory details get to God get to the good stuff like so there's at least three elements here there's I prayed expressing my need I repented discovering that God is far more worthy of and satisfying to be cherished than my sin and then third this is the good stuff this is the God answered look at verse 19 God listened. Truly, God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. This means that in God's economy, repentance is honored above every other currency. God responds to repentance. God does not hear the prayer of the self-righteous. Listen, God does not hear the prayer of the self-righteous religious person who's doing God a favor. God doesn't hear that prayer, not interested in that prayer. He hears the cry of the sinner beating on his chest. God always listens to the sounds of repentance. God loves the sounds of repentance, so much so that there's more joy in heaven, right? because of the sounds of repentance over one person discovering their sinful condition before him verse 20 confirms that the nature of the love of god is not conditioned And we talk about god's unconditional love and we do that for a reason because the, the bible repeatedly shows us and says to us that God's love is not a conditioned love. It's a love that remains faithful and seeks to draw us out of our cherished iniquity. It's a love that is faithful and seeks to draw us out of our treasured delights that are wrong and forbidden and and broken and and producing um, horrible effects in your family. He's drawing us out of that. The only condition that stands between you and the amazing love and mercy and forgiveness of God, the only condition that stands between the two of you, is you and your unwillingness to yield or submit or say I'm ready to let go of this cherished thing that I know is ruining my family or myself or my friends. God does remove something. Look at verse 20 again. He he never removes his steadfast love from me. He does remove something, though. What he removes is the thing that's separating us. It's the sin, it's the... It's the brokenness. He he removes and pours out his judgment and his wrath in atonement on his son, Jesus, in my place. There is a removal going on, but he's not removing his steadfast love. Blessed be God. Like, I'm going to praise God, he says, verse 20, because he's not rejected my prayer. He heard my prayer, and, and he has not removed his steadfast love for me. God's steadfast love is so faithful that he makes good on his promise to send the Messiah for, for me and for you and for all of humanity, for God so loved the world. When you tell your story, you need to get to that part. When you tell your story, you need to get to the part where you say, God answered. He didn't just answer me incidentally and occasionally in my life. like He gave the answer for all of us for all time. And his name is Jesus the Messiah. He's the real man, the true man, the perfect man. He's what we're looking for. I promise you he is. Get to the good part of your story that no matter how far you wandered, no matter how distanced you were, He never removed His steadfast love from me. That's where the psalm ends, God's faithfulness, His love in showing extended, sustained mercy and grace to you. What I want to do is shift gears uh, here now and, and just ask you to kind of like decide today that you want to tell your story. Like decide right now, because so many of you do. You, you want to tell your story and, and you, you would like to voice it to someone else, but you've been hesitant for all sorts of reasons, right? We're busy, um, we don't have time to sit and talk with each other like we used to, um, you know, or, or you're kind of afraid of the atheist out there who you think might just pepper you with questions or you just don't know, you know. So all of these things keep us from being willing to voice what Christ has done for us, this profound change. Let me tell you what God has done for me in my soul. So what I want to do is I want to walk you through what it would look like for you to, to work on your story and then to get ready to tell it. Um, so let's do that. Let's, let's think for just a few minutes about how to build your personal testimony. I'm just going to sketch it out. Kind tr- I'm going to try to inspire you to do it this morning. If you want more help with this outside of this service, we would love to help you with it. This church is full of people who'd like to help you with it, our pastoral team and others. Here's what you want to do. Start with this. Prioritize it, first off. Like Make it matter in your life, because you, you believe the gospel, you believe, God's gr- like you believe that apart from God's grace, you are helpless, right? And it should mean a lot to you to voice your testimony to someone else. So if it does, then I, I wanna encourage you to prioritize it. Like set a time to work on this. Set a time to figure this out. Um, You are incredibly intelligent and gifted and creative people. I know you and you have the energy to do what you love to do. So I wanna just call you this morning to make it a priority. Like, line up what you say you love with, with this action here. Prioritize it. Make it happen. Secondly, what do you do when you get that time alone? Like, So you set aside an hour by yourself, you put it on your calendar, and you, and you get your Bible out, you get out a legal pad and your Bible, or you get out your iPad, uh, and, and what do you do? Start drafting it out. Just start, just start, follow the lines of the psalm here, and just start drafting it out. Uh, tell us how, what happened to you with regard to your need. Tell us how you discovered your need, and you prayed to God about that need. Like, The first point is your need. Draft it with that in mind. Second point. Third point. So just put this down. At this point, you're not worried about what anybody else is gonna say because they're not gonna see it. You're just, this is just you and the Lord and you're writing out what happened to you. Tell your story. Get it on paper. Um, Try to avoid using church language because the person you're gonna talk to is not a church person. Or maybe they are churched, but you wanna just use Simple words. You you don't want to use words that, you know, you you, you don't want to open up with, I want to tell you about the atonement of Jesus. What's the atonement? Like, just keep it simple. Try to avoid Christianese. Don't make it too long. I I was talking with Pastor Allen this week, and he said, you know, one of the problems is we think we have to make this long story. That's actually counterproductive. It's a short story. Five to seven minutes to just kind of capture this May maybe all that you need to open a gospel conversation. Could I tell you what has happened to me? Keep it short. Um, keep one. Keep it on one major theme. Don't don't talk about the seventeen ways in which brokenness has affected your life. Uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be hard for them to follow. Just try to try to kind of kind of lock in on one theme, like. When I grew up, the most important thing I thought was to make money and retire by the time I was 50 and be financially secure. I kept trusting in that. Like lock in on one of those themes. And express your need and how God rescued you from that thing. For those of you who grew up in church, you may not have seen a blinding light on the road to Damascus. That is okay. Like that's, it's legal to tell your story as it happened. To, you know, to not have this amazing, let, let the amazement be, listen, let the amazement be that, that you discovered how deeply broken you are and how amazingly healing Christ is. Verse 16, I wanna tell you what he's done for me. Listen, nobody can really argue with your story, what he's done for you, what Jesus has done for you. Nobody can really dispute that. So draft it with those things in mind. Here's the third thing, practice it. Thank you for moving me along. Whoever's doing that today, thanks for, keep Pete moving, hey, note, John's been talking. Um, Practice, you gotta practice this. Find someone you trust, your spouse, your friend, family, child, grandchild, be a great thing for your grandchildren to help you practice, and just practice saying what happened to you in five to seven minutes. Let me tell you my story. Just rehearse it a few times, because you're not gonna come to the game day moment ready to pitch if you haven't rehearsed it. It's just not gonna happen. You'll do what you've done a hundred other times, which is you'll see the moment and then you'll get scared of the moment and you'll back away. And that's happened to us over and over again. But if you practice this and kind of get ready for it, then you start praying, Lord, please give me an opportunity. Boom, here comes the opportunity. And you just, you know, you kind of stumble through it the first time. You're like, you know, I'm not saying everything exactly right, but you just keep telling them, This is what Jesus has done for me. You will be amazed. At how God will use your story. He wants to. God wants to use your story. He wants to use you to take the gospel to somebody else. And I'm telling you, right now, people are listening because they're looking everywhere for hope. Here's the fourth thing tell it. Tell it. You're going to have to do it. Like, here comes the moment you got to say it. And some of you, some of us are hesitant and we're lacking courage at this moment because we're afraid of what's going to happen. I want to I want to just I want to challenge you this morning. Like I want you to hear this. Be courageous. Like so what if somebody misunderstands you? Who cares if somebody like if you don't say it exactly right? Like this is for real. This is heaven and hell, and it matters, so be courageous, be courageous, and remember this, most people you are going to talk to are not self-identified atheists, most of them are not, most people know, like 97% of the people you're going to interact with this week know deep down God is there, because it's written on their hearts you've already got that going for you don't be afraid of that the atheist boogeyman who's out there just ready to kind of rattle your cage he, he, you're not going to talk to that guy if you end up meeting that guy send him to pastor allen <laughs> he'll take care of him don't send him to me I've already talked to that guy like six times. (laughs) You can do this. You should do this. You want to do this. Some of you have been believers for a decade or 20 years or 30 years and you keep saying to yourself, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus. You know what? I'm going to tell somebody one day. What are you waiting for? You think it's going to get easier? It's not going to get any easier than it is right now. And God has entrusted to you. Like, listen to the words of the psalmist one more time. Come and hear, and I'm going to tell you what he's done for me. If there is a work of grace alive in you, and you are changed by Christ dependent on him, and he is who you say he is through your confession of faith in the church and to the rest of us, then go and tell it to somebody. Pray, ask God to bring them into your life. Ask God for the intersection. Ask God for the neighbor, the coworker. Lord, give me a moment, give me the moment and help me to be courageous in that moment. Help me to practice, be ready, but give me the moment and help me to be courageous in that moment. telling you, have got influence in people's lives and you don't even know it. And they want to talk about something more than just the weather. Although I am glad the rain let up. Just throw that out there. So, the Lord's table provides this intersection for us Between our willingness and desire to go tell people about the grace that we have discovered and something that that sometimes keeps us from a vital, energized Christian life, and that is sin, cherished sin. So, what I'd like to do is ask you to, to think about the intersection between Psalm 66 and 1 Corinthians 11 so as Psalm 66 and 1 Corinthians 11 kind of intersect I want to draw out this point because in in 1 Corinthians 11 the Apostle Paul instructs the church and says you know Jesus gave us this communion um, observance this this act he entrusted to us the communion table the Lord's Supper and He did that to proclaim his death until he comes. But some of us are not not really taking that seriously. So in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul writes, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, that is, cherishing disobedience, cherishing self centeredness, cherishing iniquity in my heart. Had I cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have heard me. Let a person, verse 28, 1 Corinthians 11, examine himself and then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself or herself. Come to the table this morning, asking the Lord this question God, has my cherished sin and self centeredness and disobedience kept me from wanting to tell the story? In what ways? Has my cherished disobedience kept me from living the story and being willing to speak the gospel and the grace of Christ to others? I'm asking you to let those two things kind of collide this morning as you prepare your hearts for the Lord's table. Let me pray for us. Lord, we stand before you today as a people confessing that we have often cherished our sin. We have often regarded iniquity in our hearts as satisfying. We thought it was. In our blindness, in our immaturity, in our foolishness. Would you please help us today to see that one of the things that's happening is that we, our stories being ruined. God, bring our stories back to life through repentance and hope in your steadfast love. You have not removed your steadfast love from us. Help us to examine and discern these things in Christ's name. Amen.